This is Locked on Clemson, and I certainly hope you have been staying safe and healthy through these unique circumstances, and I know it's really slowed us down in the sports world, but great news. We are here with you for eternity, man. For as long as we both shall live, you've got us at the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got some great feature ideas, so even though there won't be many live events for a while, we have got a lot to dig into in terms of sports news, and then we'll go the feature route as well. We will engage you on another level. We will debate you here at Locked On Clemson about the best players in Clemson history, the best games in Clemson history, what the football team will look like this coming fall, and especially how the lack of spring practice, no spring game, how the calendar is going to look for Clemson, and now can some of those younger players integrate into what Clemson does? It's going to be tricky. It's absolutely going to be tricky. All of those young players that Dabo Sweeney was happy about, uh, so excited about, now will they get the reps? And furthermore, something I was talking to a former NFL player about when it comes to the importance of spring practice, how about the evaluation period for coaches? I, I can tell you, all right, the friend of a friend, uh, Buddy Pugh uh, from South Carolina State, he said that usually after spring practice, at that point, he's got an idea of where, what direction he wants to go and which players are going to contribute. And then they start fine-tuning in the fall, and, and obviously it's a lot different. I mean, spring is camp, and then fall, you know, you're starting to uh, employ the, the plays and the concepts that you're going to use. And you have an idea about your depth chart and who your contributors are. Well, now all that's going to be happening at once this next fall, unless the NCAA does expand that calendar just a little bit, maybe allow those players if they come back. But what what if kind of the, the lockdown with schools rolls into July or August? Then it starts affecting our college football. So these are all things that we're going to tackle and talk about. Now, Clemson, it may be, it just may be of all the teams, it affects Clemson the least. Now, they wanted to integrate some new players, sure, but imagine being in someone else's footsteps where you're trying to replace, say, a quarterback, or you don't know what you have at the wide receiver position, or you don't know what your talent level is. You have players, and you're not certain that you can compete, and you don't know what you're going to have to do in that respect, but Clemson has answers to those particular questions. I think it might stunt the contribution of the young players early on for Clemson. That's what could happen. But that is a discussion we will have with some of our guests, including Will Merritt, former All-ACC lineman. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the importance of spring practice for that offensive line and what Robbie Caldwell's trying to do, uh, because now he's integrating all those, those moving pieces and, you know, five fingers into the glove for an offensive line and... At Clemson, they're replacing four players along that line. Clemson is replacing defensively not just a linebacker, Isaiah Simmons. That's more than a hybrid player. A hybrid player makes you kind of think, well, he can do this and he can do that. No, the problem with losing Isaiah Simmons is he was the best tackler on the team uh, with obvious nod, too, to James Skalski uh, and Chad Smith and what they can do. But Isaiah Simmons kind of took it to a new level. Uh, he didn't miss very often. And also defensively in coverage, and rushing the passer. Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons was a brilliant 
pass rusher on the blitz, and honestly, he could just put his hand down and go as a defensive end, too. But So you lose that. So what does that mean? Well, what that means is that now Clemson will not be it will not be as simplistic for Brent Venables because now he can't just leave Isaiah Simmons out there, let him play three downs, do what you want to do. Instead, they'll have to do some mixing and matching. A little bit what you saw Clemson do in the national championship game against LSU because they didn't want to play Chad Smith much in that game and expose him in coverage. So they, they what took Tanner Muse down into the box more. Uh, Skowski played, but so they had to choose really between Chad uh, between Chad Smith and James Skowski, and they went with Skowski. Um, you know the way they wanted to set that linebacking core up, um, and then because of the decision they made and they practiced, then after Skalski was ejected from the game, they, then they had to go to, with Venables because they hadn't even worked Smith's position into the game plan, but they did have Isaiah Simmons' position in the game plan, and they did walk Tanner Muse down. So I say all that to say, you know, look at those names I'm using. Tanner Muse, gone. Um, Isaiah Simmons, gone. And look what big pieces they were. They were two of the players that Brent Venables chose to keep on the field no matter the circumstance, no matter what he was working against. That's going to put pressure on Brent Venables. I'm sure he's been tinkering with it all offseason. I know he's been working on the notepad and in the lab working on what he wanted to do. But it's all going to have to come together so quickly this fall. So that's fascinating. Uh, you know, something to watch and, and a storyline that we'll talk about. And we'll, we'll start engaging you as well. On our next episode, we'll have an email for you to send us and a Twitter as well. So uh, you can start sending in your ideas and thoughts about what you think is going to happen with Clemson football coming up. All right, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back here on Locked on Clemson, we're going to dig into the DeAndre Hopkins trade. That's right. Bill O'Brien went brain dead. Uh, Somehow his decision-making caught a virus, and he traded away not just an elite receiver, in my mind, one of the three best receivers and most valuable pieces in all of pro football. DeAndre Hopkins out of Daniel High School by way of Clemson, no longer a Houston Texan. He's with the Houston, or no longer a Houston Texan, now with the Arizona Cardinals. Why would anyone do this? Well, we'll tell you why in the next segment, and also why I still don't agree with it. We'll do that next. It's Locked On Clemson, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Back on Locked On Clemson. Smitty here with you, and we've got Will Merritt joining us back in a couple of days. Um, just give everybody a little time to acclimate to what in the world is going on uh, with these circumstances. But we are so happy to be with you, and this might be a great opportunity for you to not just be Clemson-centric, but check out the whole podcast network. Stretch out a little bit, especially with what's going on with the other ACC teams. You can do that with Locked On ACC, and there's also uh, a whole host of podcasts at LockedOnPodcast.com. I do that, and you know what? We're going to bring you some of those guests as well, Uh, some people that have that inner working knowledge of things that might be going on at Georgia Tech or Florida State that might be of interest to us here at Clemson. But what was it of interest to me yesterday was the trade involving DeAndre Hopkins. And I just, 
Now, now, part of this is why this caught me so off guard. I, I haven't been following what's going on with Bill O'Brien. Apparently, Bill O'Brien is making a lot of personnel decisions that have been questionable. Um, if you look back at where the Texans were not that long ago, you had a team. Look, look at this nucleus, this foundation for the Texans, having Deshaun Watson, former Clemson Tiger, Throwing to DeAndre Hopkins. And on the defensive side of the ball, you had a great group of defensive backs, including a, a couple of Gamecocks, former Gamecocks, uh, that uh, you'd be familiar with. J.J. Watt rushing the passer and Genevieve Clowney. That was your nucleus. That was the foundation of this team. Well, you fast forward a couple of years. J.J. Watt's <laughs> dealt with a host of injuries. He's not the same player. A lot of that's not his fault. That's a combination of father time and just the mileage that that uh, you endure being an, an NFL defensive end. And then you've got Jadavian Clowney's gone to the Seahawks. You get pretty much nothing back for him. You don't have much along the offensive line to protect Deshaun Watson, your franchise quarterback. And then you take away his number one weapon. Now, what do you get in return? Now, we won't, you know, necessarily dig too deeply into this, but I mean, I'm just, I'm looking at David Johnson, who was a, a really had a really nice year for the Cardinals a couple of seasons ago. And you get a 2020 second round pick, 2021 fourth round pick. And Bill Barnwell, who writes for ESPN, gave the Texans, gave the Cardinals a B plus because they got an elite receiver and gave the Texans an F. So my off-the-cuff reaction seems to be similar to what an NFL writer for ESPN had. Well, what are you thinking? And then there were some text, or some, sorry, some tweets that went out as well what everybody thought about this What everyone thought about this trade, Kendrick Perkins, now he's former NBA center, now an NBA analyst for TNT. Uh, but he says Ryan Tannehill gets one million, a hundred million. Dak Prescott and Derrick Henry get franchise tagged. Then the Texans trade DeAndre Hopkins, who is arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. They might have to start drug testing owners and GMs. Carry on. Now, we won't get into all that's going on with Dak Prescott because a lot has been made of that, or Derrick Henry, former Alabama running back. But, yeah, how about that comment? I mean, we all agree. DeAndre Hopkins, maybe he's not the best receiver in the NFL. Okay, he's second. He's third. Uh, He makes plays in traffic. He is a number one go-to option in any spot on the field. He's great in the red zone. Um, he's great along the sideline. He makes circus catches. He's reliable. He has a rapport with Deshaun Watson. Well, who didn't he have a rapport with? Well, it turns out Bill O'Brien, perhaps, a writer that covers the Texans. Mike Meltzer wrote, violating my own media rule here, the relationship between Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins was not good, and I've heard that from multiple places. My own take, Bill O'Brien hasn't accomplished enough in his life in football to have a bad relationship with a tremendous player. Well, amen, Mike Meltzer. Um, so a lot to unpack there, but 
it, it appears this was a personality issue between DeAndre Hopkins and Bill O'Brien. And so that is, you know, that lends, uh, you know, more insight into why this potentially could have happened to DeAndre Hopkins. But I, I think for Clemson fans, the shame of it is you're no longer going to see Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins sharing a field together. You know, that's where this is especially sad for Clemson fans because it was so easy just to turn on the television if the Texans were on your local CBS station. And you could see, you know, Deshaun Watson touching the ball every snap. And then on a, on many of those snaps, DeAndre Hopkins was the intended receiver. So that was fun while it lasted. Uh, the Texans have been disappointing, but nobody, no one would argue that it had anything to do with DeAndre Hopkins or Deshaun Watson. So Watson's there, Hopkins now to Arizona. The other part that's bad for Clemson fans, if you like watching former players in the NFL, is, uh, you know, now I mean, Cardinals aren't going to be on much. Think about it. Larry Fitzgerald is one of the greatest receivers in NFL history and one of the longest tenured. He's been doing it at a high level longer than most. How many times have you seen Larry Fitzgerald play live? You know, 10, 12, 15 in your life? That's just the way it is. Uh, the, the way the NFL tries to create local fan bases so I just don't know how often how often you're going to see DeAndre Hopkins now. Highlights, sure. NFL package, okay. But the Cardinals aren't going to be on Monday Night Football much. Might be fun to watch him play with Kyler Murray a little bit. Um, and Bill Barnwell, more on this trade, said, My first instinct when I saw the terms of this trade was to whether Hopkins had lost a limb. My second instinct was to give the Texans side of this deal the same grade safe, <laughs> safety to Ron Matthew Award, his former team, which was an F. This is a jaw-dropping, mind-bending, inexplicable trade for Bill O'Brien, whose bizarre run as Texans general manager is going to be the subject for, of a 30 for 30 documentary one day. And kind of another angle to this story, Bob McNair, former owner of the Texans, you know, he's a University of South Carolina grad. And he, the late Bob McNair, so he passed away. Well, while McNair was the owner, there were a lot of players that came out of the state of South Carolina, especially through the collegiate system at, in, at South Carolina or Clemson. Now, you, you could argue that was just happenstance. Obviously, you wanted to take Deshaun Watson. Obviously, you wanted to draft a guy like uh, Jonathan Joseph or Jadavian Clowney, former Gamecocks. But it just seems there were more with Houston than other places. There's some former Clemson Tigers as well that have kind of mixed into the Texans organization over the years. And they had former Clemson Tiger, Deshaun Watson, former Clemson Tiger, DeAndre Hopkins, former Gamecock, Jadavian Clowney. Um, two of those three are gone now since Bob McNair's death. So the organization is running things a lot differently uh, than they did under Bob McNair. And... You would say, well, is that you know for good or for ill, whatever different angle? It seems to be for ill. It's hard to argue. It is so hard to argue that you're going to you're getting return value for DeAndre Hopkins, who is one of the greatest 
former Clemson Tigers in terms of NFL achievement. I don't know what the Texans were thinking. It gets curiouser and curiouser. But maybe on an episode in the next few days, we'll take a look at Hopkins' NFL career. And I'll tell you something that we might do as a feature, this kind of sparks it, is the best NFL careers for former Clemson Tigers. Let's just take the impact collegiately away. For instance, Brian Dawkins, a much better NFL player than C.J. Spiller. I think you could argue Spiller's impact in college was was greater than Brian Dawkins. But then over the course of an NFL career, Brian Dawkins, more Pro Bowls, more recognition, more success uh, on that level. Um, Terry Allen's another good example. I keep bringing him up. I just one of those players I feel like is overlooked in Clemson football lore. And although he was tremendous at Clemson and their top offensive threat at the time, an even better NFL career. Um, and DeAndre Hopkins is an interesting study because he was somewhat overshadowed by Sammy Watkins, who was just really overmatching most collegiate teams. They just didn't have a guy for him, and Hopkins was brilliant throughout. But because Watkins and that track speed, it was so much fun to watch him. He was such a unique talent um, and, and, and just fit perfectly in Chad Morris's system. Certainly underrated being drafted 27th overall. Watkins now has the Super Bowl with the Chiefs. Hopkins certainly does not. They had the 24-0 lead on the Chiefs and then gave all that up, which is part of what led to this trade. But I think Bill, Bill O'Brien's doing it backwards. They're probably not up 24 to nothing without a player like DeAndre Hopkins over the uh, eventual Super Bowl champions. But the end of this is DeAndre Hopkins, great at Clemson, even better in the NFL. We'll take a look at some other players, kind of rank those over the next few shows here at Locked on Clemson. So we've got something to do. Make, you know, make your plans. Stay with us. Subscribe to us wherever you find your favorite podcast. We'll finish with some comments from Brad Brelnell on the other side. Um, I was there with Brad Brelnell at the ACC tournament. We're all praying we didn't all catch coronavirus while we were there because there were just play, uh, just people from all over the country. But uh, Brad Brelnell struck an interesting tone, and I think the right tone, when he found out the ACC tournament was canceled. And that was especially hurtful for him, who was trying at the time. He didn't know the NIT would be canceled or, or anything of that nature, the NCAA tournament. He was trying to claw his way into a postseason tournament. Uh, but he had received some information. And when we hear these informed opinions, I think it's very, very interesting. So I want to get the tone of Brad Brownell. I want you to listen to that in our final segment. We'll do that next. This is Locked On Clemson, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On Clemson, we're still here with you on the Daily Man, so stay with us. If it's orange, it's on Locked On Clemson, and we will expand our thinking here to bring you some fun features in the next few days, but I, I wanted you to hear this. I was at the ACC tournament. I mean, I'm just expecting to cover it. You know, just expecting Clemson to play Florida State. And then the word comes out, no spectators. Okay, no problem. Well, I'll get in my credential. I'm not concerned at this time, about uh, too concerned about catching uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19. And then just about 10 minutes before Clemson was supposed to tip against Florida State, I'm making my way out to the floor, and I see a couple of other reporters or, or media members, also credentialed members, just almost hastily walking off the floor. 
and I, I was just getting another like coffee or something you know caffeine the fuel that drives the dreams of champions and i was just doing that bam these guys kind of bump into me we're done we're done all right well i walk out there see a few other writers that i know um and i don't even ask anyone what's going on and then all of a sudden john swafford is out there presenting the trophy to florida state and and even suggesting at that moment leaving open the possibility of no ncaa tournament which really hadn't crossed my mind at the time i thought they were going to play perhaps without spectators I thought perhaps they were going to move some venues. I really did not think the NCAA tournament at that moment was going to be canceled. So that's the atmosphere we're in. It's all media around Brad Brownell, and he watches it with his players, watches Florida State crowned champions, essentially the ACC tournament, not just the regular season, but the tournament awarded the automatic bid. He watches Florida State cut down the nets, and then uh, just a handful of riders were standing around Brad Brownell, Clemson head coach, uh, and this is what he had to say. Uh, I I wasn't that surprised. Um, Like I told some folks, you know, we kind of we kind of huddle up in a cave almost uh, right before these games, and so the last 48 hours, I haven't paid a lot of attention to what's been going on out in the world, but uh, really when you, uh, right after a pregame meal, when I went back to the to my hotel room and kind of turned on the TV and saw what had transpired, I knew about the NBA canceling late last night and one of their players testing positive, uh, so I was kind of suspicious if we would even play today. Um, so it wasn't a surprise. I think it was the right decision. You know, the competitor in your uh, competitor in you is not happy. You're you want to go play, and, and uh, you certainly feel bad for your players, especially your seniors. Uh, this this tournament just gets more special the longer you're in it. It was already going to be unique with the way it was set up today, but uh, you know, I, I think we have to do what's what's right, and what's right is to is probably not to play. There's a short term. You just kind of address the short term pain. And yeah, players, there's, but there's it's way, kind of significant, isn't it? You know, when we recruit these kids, we promise their families that we're going to take care of them, that, and we take that responsibility very seriously. Um, it's you try to do what's best for your players, and you know, sometimes they don't even know what's best for them. We don't always know, but uh, I told them the same thing: that guys, you, you got to trust people in leadership positions. You guys, some of you guys are fathers and going to be fathers, and you're going to make difficult decisions to your families that aren't always popular, but. You have to do what you think is right, and I think we're doing what is right. Um, it's hard because, again, we all want to play, and this is a big deal. And, uh, you know, kids train and coaches coach all year to be in these kinds of games, and these are the best games of the year. Um, so you hate the fact you don't get to compete in them. Uh, but, again, you got to do what's what's in the best overall uh, goodness for, for everybody involved, and I, I think – the fear of the unknown, I don't think any of us really know. And that's, you know, just in the hour that I was kind of getting ready and had the TV on, I was even surprised to learn some of the things that they're talking about with the coronavirus. And and I heard a doctor say that they think 70 million people could, you know, could uh, contract it. So that that makes you kind of stand up and think, what's going on here? This is way bigger than what we think it is. Uh, And it's rapidly changing. Uh, And the Ivy League, made their decision a couple days ago. I remember thinking, that's crazy. I can't believe they did that. Now it seems pretty wise. Can you describe the disappointment, Brad, when you let your team know? Yeah, there were some guys that were really down. First, they were angry. 
uh, a couple guys are angry, a couple guys are down. I think I think you start out angry, uh, and then you kind of it kind of really hits you that you know for some guys careers may be over. Um, and this is pretty special. Again, this is such a special tournament that kids want to play in this. They want the opportunity to play in these kind of meaningful games. And, and uh, so initially, guys were upset. Um, then I think it turns a little bit to sadness. Um, and it won't be easy for these guys the next 24, 48 hours, that's for sure. Did you have any guys that were concerned about playing? No, I actually brought a couple guys uh, into a room, uh, Amir and Clyde, uh, right before we got on the bus, about 10 o'clock or 10:15, I think it was, and I just asked him. I said, "How do you guys feel about what's going on? Is there any of you or anybody on the team that you guys know of that you don't think wants to play? Is anybody, uh, you know, concerned?" And coach, we really don't know that much about it. I think we all want to play. We're, you know, the, the kids want to play. Um, so I don't think there was anybody on our team that had voiced any kind of, you know, big big time concern. But at the same time. You never know how somebody's mom feels or, or you know, family feels. And so, um, and I, again, I think we may even feel, I just was worried that we're going to feel different at 7 o'clock than we did at noon. And so I'm glad that if we're going to do it and we're going to cancel this thing, if we were going to do it tomorrow or later, that we, we do it now and get these guys, get these guys back to, to where they need to be.